Welcome to Gatekeeper, a podcast about booking from the bookers and gatekeepers who decide who's in, who's out. Also, there's other stuff. And now your host of Gatekeeper, artistic director of the Hollywood Improv, Jamie Flam. Yo, yo. (laughs) Welcome to Gatekeeper. I'm Jamie Flam. Really excited to have you here on this fantastic episode. Coming up in just a couple minutes, a great conversation I had with Brooks Whelan, a fantastic stand-up comedian who's had a really eventful whirlwind of a career in the last couple of years that took him all the way to Saturday Night Live. It's a great show on every Saturday on NBC. It's uh, sketches and such. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's great. Um, in the meantime, I know what you're thinking. If you listened to last week's short, short mini episode, you know that I sprained my ankle because I'm a big doofus. <laughs> well, the prognosis is positive. It's healing. It was just a bad sprain. And it sucks to have sprained my ankle. But you know what? There's a silver lining to everything. I mean, what is good news and bad news? And there's plenty of Buddhist parables that we all know. You might think that a, a hurting your ankle is only a bad thing. But, but what if spraining my ankle on the way to the park prevented me from getting murdered at the park or murdering someone at the park or witnessing a murder at the park? And so hold up in my house the last few days. I've had the time to uh, reflect and realize that I need to stop going to that park. It's a bad park where bad things happen. Bad park. Bad, bad, bad park. It's called Murder Park. But the jungle gym is sublime. So you take the good, you take the bad is what they say. And speaking of taking the good and the bad, I'm going to uh, set you off onto a magical journey uh, with the sound effect. Uh, maybe it's, it's the sound of a, let's see, like a, like a ship, pirate ship. And the sound of a bunch of angry pirates floating down a magical sea in the 16th century, let's say. Enjoy. I like pasta. I love doubloons. I can't wait to steal Gatekeeper. Are we recording? Yeah. Well. Hi. Welcome to Gatekeeper. It's a podcast. I'm diving right in. I'm looking at him right now. Brooks Whelan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I was just talking about how Barack Obama stole my jean jacket. You know, it's an epidemic now. Uh, really? <laughs> this is the first I've heard of it. Yeah, so I think it's worth mentioning that there's a there's a vibe in the room right now, a, po- a positive one. I think it's positive mixed with negative. No, it's pretty negative. We both came in. We're both <laughs> we're both having rough mornings. Um, but let's let's get let's not have that negativity. Is positivity, and and let's 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 have some fun, guys. That's I'm, what this is for. This is for fun. This is for education. This okay. is for an inspiration. Okay, that sounds. But great. sometimes that involves, I think, you know, getting things off your chest. Sure. Calling out the elephant in the room. I have to take my shirt off. Um, and that's halfway through. Okay. Or if you want to take it off now. No, I'll wait. Halfway is if that's how the podcast goes, I'll wait half I'll wait for halfway. Yeah. Usually the guest takes off halfway. I, I take it off three quarters. Okay, cool. And then by the end we invite the, the guests to take their shirts off and then 
that's what the gatekeeper is all about. Okay, sounds and, great. Um, so I'll, I'll just tell you the story. Let's hear On it. Wednesday, it's the worst, best story ever. No, it's just the worst. Okay. I was in bed till 10 a.m. And I got a text from Vanessa, my running partner. And she said, hey, meet me and my she's son, very, Oliver, at the park. Funny. Yes. Okay. That sounds delight. Which sounds- we do all probably once a week. I yeah. Think, yeah. So I threw good, my stuff on. Good for the soul. Good for the soul. I'm going to get my steps. I'm obsessed with getting steps on my pedometer on my phone. Okay. It's great. Um, and I walk out the door <laughs> and there's a two steps, little stairs that lead up to the door of my apartment. And these are not new. No. They've been there since you've always been there since you've lived yes. there. Yes. Every time I get to my house, I have to walk up two steps. Okay. Every time I leave, get go down. Okay. So you know this. I know this. Uh, I walk out. There's a spider web. Not like a big, crazy Scooby-Doo spider web, but just two like s- strands that are have, that they're blocking the exit over the stairs. Charlotte's web. Yeah. But, but not, there's nothing written in it. There's no it's messages. Written. What was written in it? Um, in Charlotte's web. Some pig? Is that what it, Charlotte wrote? I don't remember. I just remember being way too young to understand the metaphor of that book. I think we read it in like first grade. And I was like, the fuck yeah. is going on? Spiders? All right, go ahead. So Spiders and pigs. You're clearly terrified of this web. Not terrified, but also out of respect for the spider, out of respect for the animal kingdom. I was like, I'm going to, I could have just walked through it. You should have karate. You should have fucking Indiana Jones through that shit. That would have been much cooler, but I took my key on my little key ring and just, you know, took it through it to break it up. And then four seconds later, I'm on the ground. So I I don't know exactly if I just missed the steps, if I didn't look down, but I just came down on my foot. And next thing I know, I'm on the ground, like writhing in pain because my ankles messed up. I think it was a a karmically uh, evil spider or just as like a witch spider. Okay. Yeah, sure. I mean, that adds up uh, scientifically. That would hold water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the science community, that that would be 100% accepted. You are a scientist. I was a scientist. Right. If you, so you can be, it's not like a comedian. You're always a comedian. Being a scientist, you're only a scientist when you were practicing science. I don't, I guess, I mean, I guess I wouldn't say I've, I've done science in a while. I haven't done science in three years. Like um, no experiments at home. Uh, no, no experiments. I haven't been in a lab in a while. No hypotheses. Just, I mean, I have a lot of hypotheses just in general, uh, about things, but, um, that's not just science. Uh, no. Yeah. I, I, I guess I am trained as a scientist, as a biomedical engineer. And you went to I, college for biomedical, biomedical engineering. I was going to be, I was pre-med. Um, and then I remember when I was 19, I got a, uh, underage drinking ticket. Uh, possession of alcohol under the legal age. It's called Paula uh, in Iowa, oh, well. in the University of Iowa. I got a Paula, which sucks if your name is Paula I and know. you go to I- University of Iowa. Also, it sucks if your name's Paula, um, unless it's followed up with Poundstone or Pell. Paula Pell is very funny. Are those the right. two most famous Paulas? Those are the two I know of. Paula. Uh, There's a I, Santa Paula. Okay, that one's fine too. Either way, I, <laughs> I dropped, I was like, oh, I got an underage drinking ticket. I'm never getting into med school, which is just such a panicky, on your record. anxiety-ridden 19-year-old idiot way to look at life. So I was like, oh, God, shit. So then I started doing comedy and finished my So degree. you didn't do any research. You weren't like, does this Paula... Ex- uh- it would have affected nothing. Zero. But I was just like, oh, no, my life's over. I'm never going to be a doctor now. And... uh 
But then I got into comedy, like right after that. And then I was like, oh, well, I don't want to be a doctor. What was that? Anyway. Did you just like, I like comedy. I can do that. Uh, yeah. I mean, literally my, uh, I liked, I liked comedy growing up. And then, uh, my brother was a bartender at the comedy club in Cedar Rapids, which was, uh, like an hour and a half from where I went to high school. It was the closest comedy club in Iowa. And he was a bartender there in college. So I remember I went to like a comedy show there when I was like 16, they let me in. And uh, I forget the guy I saw. He was really funny. Um, he died recently. I remember that was, that was a bummer. Um, I can't even think of his name, Tim something, but he's very funny, you know, like a good, just, you know, road dog. Um, very funny guy. I should, I'm sure I could look it up. I feel like a jerk, but, uh, and then when I was like 19, I knew that they had an open mic and, uh, I just went down to it to watch. And then I was like, fuck it. I'm going up. And I'd been writing for my college newspaper, little listicles weekly. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, like, uh, I don't even know what they were like signs. you yeah. Like, uh, uh, first words you don't want to hear out of your new roommate, you know, like stupid shit like that. Just like top 10 lists. And, uh, so then I just went up basically with those and, uh, nervous energy did well. And I was like, like oh, the listicle comic. Yeah. And then, uh, like that night asked for a job at the club was like, what can I do here? And they were like, uh, you could run the sound for $5 and 15 cents an hour and you'll work maybe three hours a week. And I was like, done. And so then I just started working. I had there. no idea you had a sound engineer or maybe not engineer. Well, I just would like, I'd be like, welcome to Penguins Comedy Club. Can you turn off? Your, I don't even know if the, I had to say, turn off your cell phones. I think it was just like, keep your table talk to a minimum. Uh, please welcome to the stage MC Danny Franks, who's a cool they guy. They sit you down and say, you don't have to do that voice. They literally yelled, I, Kim was the manager and she was like, you're screaming. <laughs> so they did give you a send up. Yeah, they did. They were like, uh, yeah. And then they would slowly let me uh, host the shows where no one came. It was, like, it was called Penguin? Penguins Comedy Club. I, it still exists. What, what, why Penguins? Uh, I, penguins are funny. I don't fucking know. Like, they are funny. Yeah, look at them. They're little, <laughs> they're little cuties. They're adorable. There's a movie that came out a few years ago called March of the Penguins. I was thinking you'd go with Happy Feet. No, I've never saw Happy Feet. Uh, I've, I haven't seen either one of those. There was a, a popular uh, frozen yogurt uh, restaurant you know, frozen restaurant called Penguins in, in Southern California in the 80s and 90s. Whoa, they, they closed up shop too soon. Froyo's back, baby. Right, well, in a big way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Whoever owns Penguins is fucking. But it was, it was a time when they didn't have, uh, like, you walk into Yogurtland or Menchie's now, you can you try as many. Oh, you go crazy in there. You go crazy. Then you had to, you know, let some employee yeah. pump it out for you. I don't understand the tip part of the Froyo places right now. Cause I'm like, you did nothing. You weighed it. Did they asking you for tips? I think they have a tip jar. A tip buddy. Come, Come on, on, buddy. I did everything over here. <laughs> I remember one time I put gummy bears in my yogurt and then I was like mad cause the gummy bears got all frozen. And then I realized it was the greatest problem any person's ever had. Like, yeah. Oh, my candy and my candy's hard cause it's cold. Like, <laughs> Felt like fucking just the biggest asshole. And if it makes you feel better I about tipping, I, I will walk in. I've probably done this a dozen times in my life. Walk in, get some taster cups, taste a bunch, and then walk out. Well, you're just an asshole. You should tip. But no, but then I mean, I make up for it next time I'm there by tipping responsibly. You will walk, you will go in, taste, and walk out. 
Yes. How often? I, I would say I just claimed a dozen, but I was like overstating it, but probably eight times. In your life? In my life. Okay. That's not too bad. I'm, I would feel weird and I would have to get I something. feel weird. I, I, and I'm I would, an adult. I would throw it away. I would be like, even if I didn't want it, I'd be like, I got to buy something. I have a couple of times I have been just guilted into like, like a 40 cent yeah, thing. Yeah, no, exactly. You just get a little something and you just put Fruity Pebbles in it. Yeah. Anyway, those are the, oh, and one trick though, if you, if you want to walk out, it's, it's tougher when there's no one else in there. It's just you walk in, but usually there's like a family of four that are checking out. Sure. And there's one employee so you can sneak past. But um, if you pretend you're on a phone call, that's I've done that a couple of times, literally. Oh my God. Oh shit. Yep. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, she's in. That's an awful accident. Exactly. Okay. I faked, a, I faked a car accident one time to get out of acting class that I, re, as soon as it started, I realized I didn't want to be there. And I just was like, oh, I just got a text. I got to go. My friend was in an accident. Just, you were in the class. I was in like an hour into the class. I was dating a girl and we had broken up and uh, I didn't want to break up. Uh, which is a theme in my life. Um, but, uh, fear of being alone. Sure. Okay. Um, but like, it, it was like a very quick, this is like a girl I only dated for like six weeks, but we went to Hawaii together and it was like stupid. Like, I was just like, Oh, I love you. You know, it was like the first, it was just like stupid. Um, I still am like strangely, like this was when I was 26 and I still am like, I think that was my lady e either way. Um, she fucked me up bad. Like just, but she's just like ghosted. I've never been like ghosted, you know, like she just showed up and was like, we have different spirits. Like she was a hippie. And mm. I was like, Oh, I'll change my spirit. What do you want? What do you want my spirit to be? And she, she bounced. But then, um, she hit me up in the middle of that acting class that I didn't want to be in. It was like, do you want to get coffee? And I was like, uh, and I just like, was like, my friend's been in an accident. I have to go. <laughs> and, uh, the t teacher was like, okay, do you want to reschedule? And I was like, I don't have time. <laughs> I just fucking ran and then got rebroken up with, because uh, in your stupid male brain, you're like, this is, we're going to talk through it. Uh, and we met at the intelligentsia on sunset and uh, she like rebroke up with me again. And I was just like, then she left and I just sat there like crying. She sat you with, with her $17 coffee bill. Yeah. Well, she had a coffee waiting for me, which was nice. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, looking back, she was actually nice. There was like a proper breakup. She was like, you know what? I'm going to break up with you and I'm not going to fuck with you anymore. I'm just going to, you know, which is, you know, a way to break up with somebody. Very respectful, yeah. Yeah. I've been broken up with in a different way where a person keeps coming in and out. And I'm like, that is much worse. Mm -hmm. Stop this. Yeah. So let's talk about this hole in your heart. Uh, well, that's congenital. Congen I, I think that's how you say it. A congenital so heart, heart disease. Uh, yeah, no, it's in my septum and, uh, you know, I have to go in and have surgeries every, every once in a while, you know? Um, oh, I just saw the joke. Oh uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. That's an actual slow. hole in my heart. Actual, yeah. yeah. Cause mm -hmm. I was a cardiovascular biomechanics, uh, focus. So I know a lot about the you really do. cardiovascular system. So comedy and then you're doing comedy and then you come to LA. Comedy, comedy, comedy. Uh, yeah, I do. I work at that job in Cedar Rapids for, um, all of college my sophomore, junior, senior year of college. Uh, but then I take the summers and I get internships uh, in Kansas City when I'm 20. So I go to Kansas City and it's the first time I'm in a, like, you know, a major city that I can do a lot of stand-up and it's the first time I'm around people my age doing stand-up, you know? In Cedar Rapids, it was a lot of like, just dudes going through midlife crises sure, and shit. Sure. And like, I was like, I was the only one who was like, this is, this is what I'm going to do, you know? 
And then in Kansas City, I met a bunch of people uh, who were like, they were, this is what they were going to do too. And that was cool. Um, and got a better there, you know. And then uh, the next, then went back to Iowa, ran a one-nighter on Wednesdays in Iowa City, and then would host shows on the weekends. And then uh, went to Chicago the next year for a summer. And that's where I, like, my mind exploded, you know. Like, I remember the first guy I saw when I got there was TJ Miller, his, like, mm. go- leaving Chicago uh, show. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is the fucking best thing I've ever seen. And uh, then just spent all there was a bunch of stage time in chicago because like it was like the summer that everybody left like tj and kumail and like pete holmes had just left and kanane had left like and like matt bronger had left like everybody had left so there was just a bunch of open stage time um and that's when hannibal took over you know like hannibal was like the new dude um and uh that was cool that was like where i like made some friends i still like have that I'm like, holy shit, you know, like that was the first time I was 21 and I was like, these guys are going for it in a different way. Uh, and then I went back and finished school and, uh, I was like, I could go back to Chicago cause that internship had offered me a job, full-time job. And I was like, but I don't want to go back there cause I'm worried I'm going to get stuck there. And I know I need to go to LA or New York if I want to do comedy for real. And, uh, so I, I didn't accept that job. And, um, I just looked for jobs. I only applied for jobs in LA and New York and they ended up getting one in Irvine, which in my Iowa brain the was, heart of Hollywood. was yeah, Los Angeles. And, uh, so I moved to Huntington beach and was a biomedical engineer in Irvine and would drive up here, which is fucking two hours. That's oh, nuts. Every night. And just like hang out like, uh, at places. I didn't do a lot of open mics cause I'd been, you know, doing stand up enough that I had material. And I was like, I think it's better if I just hang out at Tiger Lily, like what's up Tiger Lily, as opposed to like hanging out at an open mic and just like making friends and like watching good comedy. So I just hung out and I wrote a lot. I started writing, um, I taught myself how to write, uh, like, um, scripts, like by watching it's always sending in Philadelphia, then reading it's always sending in Philadelphia scripts and they're bought final cut or I mean final draft. And then I wrote an episode of it's always sunny. And then I wrote my own original television show uh called crystal lake cave nature's masterpiece which i fucking loved it was about uh it was about a um a cave i used to work in in iowa that feuded with the field of dreams it was about two tourist traps that hated each other but the field of dreams actually doesn't hate crystal lake cave this they, is real this is real yeah because Field of Dreams is like, hey, you know, it's good to see you, you know and crystal lake cave is like fuck the field of dreams man fuck crystal cave is like san francisco what? Feel the dreams like LA. Yeah, exactly. Only, yeah. LA's so, like, San Francisco's great. Yeah. San Francisco's like, fuck LA. Fuck you guys. Like, well, oh, you, no, fuck you though. <laughs> we meant fuck you. No, I have so much fun there. Um, so what do you do with that script? So that script is what got me out, like management and agents and shit. Cause then I pitched it to Comedy Central and they didn't buy it, but it just like kind of got my foot in the door with them. And then things started going well. I got fired from the job in Irvine after two years because I was just like dying. I was like, get home at like three in the morning. I would hang out. I would come to the improv, be nervous, literally walk in this door, not know anybody here and just kind of hang out in the corner, fucking shaking, just like on like comedy juice nights, Wednesdays, this is like 2009 and just like panic. I would drive up with this uh, other comic, Grant Cotter, who lived in down in Orange County. And then we would just kind of like shake and then be like, oh my God, it's fucking... 
fucking Nick Swartzen over there, you know, just panicking and shit. And then, uh, and I always dreamed of like moving close to here. Uh, I was like, man, now I got to drive two hours back to fucking Huntington Beach. And then when I got fired, I moved up here pretty close to the improv and uh, got a job at Caltech. And I fucking hated living in West Hollywood. I think it was a nightmare. I was like in a bad relationship, uh, not a bad relationship, but like a seven year relationship that was ending, you know? So like that kind of weighed on it. So when that relationship ended, I moved over to Los Feliz in like a big mansion with a bunch of other comics, these power violence guys. All right. Yeah. And that was like the most fun year of my entire life because everything started going really well. Um, like I started performing here all the time and like got like Comedy Central's like 10 comics of the f- to watch of the future, you know, and I got Montreal and I got on SNL, like it all happened in like six months. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and then this show is called Gatekeeper because it's about, you just named like 17 gatekeepers. Like, yeah. How did that flood of doors opening start? Uh, just by me changing my style of comedy. Like the relationship, I used to do jokes. I used to make shit up, you know? Like uh, I had jokes about how like I bought a sword off of the television, you know? And like, because I was drunk and like, what do you do with that sword? That never fucking happened. But it was my best joke, you know? I remember thinking like, (laughs) I'll never write a joke as good as that sword joke. I was like 23. And then uh, when I got to talk about the the actual decorative plates I'm buying on television. No, exactly. So then when that relationship ended, I was 26. I've been dating a girl for seven years who I like, I adore now. Like, I mean, we don't talk at all, but uh, it's the only positive relationship I think I've ever had. Um, So she's great. And uh, I don't fault her for leaving. Like I was so invested in comedy. It was a fucking, I was like, just like gung ho comedy. It's all I thought about or cared about. And uh, when she left, that's when I started writing about real shit, like, like my life. And like from, had like a point of view and that like uh, immediately worked. Like I remember when I showcased for the comedy central's 10 comics to watch, it was like the night I was supposed to go to Europe with that girl with my, the girlfriend of seven years. And I was like, I, I still have, I just talk, opened with that. I was like, I was supposed to be going to Europe with my girlfriend of seven years, but we broke up. So if anybody wants to come, I'll propose to you in Germany. <laughs> and like, yeah, it was just like very honest for like a young dude. And then like literally like the next day, like Comedy Central was like, you should come in and we should talk. And I was like, cool. And then did that show. And then that led to like South Beach Comedy Festival, which led to Montreal, which led to Seth Meyers seeing me and SNL auditions. And then that led to writing for the show for three weeks. And then right before the season started, they're like, I'm going to put you in the cast. So it was cool. It was really quick. It was insane. I want to like break it up piece by piece. Okay. Let's get to the meat of it. So you do Montreal, which is, you know, it's arguably like we've talked about on this show. Like it's it's a huge, it's huge until you do it. And then you're like, I can't believe I gave a shit, you know? Mm -hmm. But I mean, in all honesty, it should, it's where, uh, you know, SNL like saw me. So, you know, and you get Montreal once you're over it. I feel like, you know, like I've, I had auditioned like 40 years in a row and was just like fucking who gives a fuck about this anymore, which is what they like, you know, like mm-hmm. I think I got it late for, which ended up helping so much, you know, cause I was just really, I had the fucking tightest six minutes on the planet, like to go to Montreal, like at that time was perfect. Cause it, you know, it, it, it worked great. Like he stood out 
and got SNL off of it, kind of, you know? How does that like manifest? Because that is such a recurring theme for anyone when they, when they start getting these opportunities. It's like, as soon as I stop caring. Yeah, as soon as you quit giving a fuck. Like, like, cause you're showing your true self. Yeah. Because I mean, I'd already, I'd already done like Adam Devine's house party. Like I'd already recorded that. Like I'd already done a set on television. I had the Conan set approved, you know, like I was just like, like if I don't get Montreal this year, they're fucking out of their minds. You know, that's how I went into it and just, you know, just didn't give a shit and just did, you know, my like Conan set, which, which, you know, they were like, yeah, you get to come to Montreal. And then I did it and it was, and it went great. And it was so fun. I've been back twice. It's always the most fun up there. But like, it's weird how quick, like right after you do, like Montreal is like all you think about before you do it. You know, you're like, I gotta hit fucking Montreal. Montreal callbacks are coming, man. Fucking, oh my God. I remember, I'm really good friends with like Brent Morin and he got it the year before I did. And I was just like, you know, on like G chat with him or something. And he's like, yeah, I got it. And I was like, well, then you have that awful day of like maybe i'm just last on the list they're calling because my name's whelan you know mm-hmm. and then it just goes away and you're just like devastated and you're like Fuck, man i gotta write six new minutes by next year you know <laughs> and then the next year comes around you're like oh geez that's no problem uh but yeah it was and then you, it was just cool it was a fun time i mean the snl thing is obviously the most surreal yeah um, that was weird uh so i'd made a tape for them. I remember when I was working in the lab at Caltech, my agent, my new agent had hit me up and they knew they were going to have a bunch of guys leaving. Like uh, SNL needs a bunch, uh, is going to have a big turnover. Uh, would you want to make a tape? And I was like, uh, yeah, I guess I, I didn't really think that was in the cards for me. Like, cause I'd, I'd gone to UCB. I took some UCB classes and saw how funny people really were. Like these people should be on the show. You know what I mean? Like these guys are fantastic characters and I can really only be myself. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll make a tape. Um, and then uh, they were like, oh, okay, you're supposed to do impressions and characters. And I was like, oh, I can't do fucking. What was the first tape? Impressions. That. Wait, what? Oh, this is before the, you made the first tape. This is the first tape okay. I make. So I go to my manager's office, we record it. It's at Avalon. She's great. Her name's Kara Baker. She represents a bunch of great comics. She's like, she was like, just come to my office. We'll record it here with our shit, you know? And, uh, which is, so I just recorded it in her office, literally. And, um, the characters, I don't remember what the characters were. They were just so stupid. They were just fucking out there. Like Terry blades was Pomona's top prop comedian. And he was always on rollerblades <laughs> and his best friend, Terry was there who was played by my friend, Rod Berry, who just laughed hysterically at everything Terry blades did. And basically every prop was a telephone. And if he didn't get a laugh, he blamed Terry for it. He's like, you're fucking stepping on my lines. Really dumb shit. Uh, what was it? I don't, I think I did a shy bodybuilder. Maybe. No, that was for the actual audition. I did shy bodybuilder. I don't remember what the tape was. I know my impressions were uh, Adolf Hitler if he was into troll dolls, you know, which like he had to set up a bunch of troll dolls before each speech. It was like, just one, one second, please. Let me just get out the troll dolls here. Those little cuties. And then just comb in their hair, being like, you're so, you're so pretty. You know, like, <laughs> So dumb. Did him. I did Jake the Snake Roberts um, uh, asking to uh, be uh, allowed to do children's birthday parties, you know? And he had a he had a sack that was filled with PBRs because the government had taken his snakes. Uh, and uh, I did, um, what was the other one? Oh, Gallagher. 
teaching people how to get into stand-up comedy. And he was just mad that people weren't smashing enough stuff. So, and I think that the normal tapes they get are, you know, like Matt Damon and fucking Bradley Cooper and all that. So I remember I was like sitting at the lab and I got like my manager called and she's like, it's a no from them. But they said it was like really weird. And I was like, they watched that? Like I was really, it was surreal that even think the SNL had seen a tape that I had given them. Mm-hmm. That was crazy to me. And then, uh, so that was like a year earlier. And then I do Montreal and uh, Seth Meyers is there. And he's like, that guy's funny. And to the, to the talent booker. And she's like, ah, uh, he's got a really weird tape. I remember this kid. And so I think they watched that and then had me audition. And uh, actually, you know what? They wanted a second tape for real. And I couldn't do it. I was like, no, I just don't have that. I don't, this show's not just, it's just not going to work. I can't do a second tape. I tried and just wasn't, I was like, it's better if we don't send it. And uh, cause I just couldn't do it. I didn't, I was just like fucking at a loss, you know, like I was trying to do real impressions then and fucking, but anyway, so they see me do stand up, and then they have me audition out here in LA and Lauren's there and it went so well. Cause I didn't give a shit. I was like, this is, an in, this is impossible. This is not possible for me to get this show. I remember everybody's so nervous backstage. It's at iOS. It's a bunch of like groundlings people and shit. And I'm just like, what are you guys fucking nervous for? Nobody gets on this goddamn show. Fucking chill out. And I remember my friend Beck Bennett had like a little flask of vodka. I drank like half of it and like went out and like broke the mic stand on accident. Like it literally just like fell apart. That's how my set started. And I was like, shit. And I like took my time and just like put it back together. And then like opened up, like, this was like a minute, I think, of like me just putting the mic together. And then I just opened with like, well, that was a gross misuse of my time. And it just killed. And then it was just like off to the races, like just like a really great four minute set that uh, I ended. But I just did stand up. I ended by being like, uh, I don't know, I'll do some characters. Those are cute. You guys like those? Like just kind of just like whatever about the whole process. And uh got off. I remember I walked over to my girlfriend's at the times place who lived close to iOS and like woke her up and was like, I think I might get on Saturday night live. And she was like, don't say that. <laughs> like literally she was like, don't fucking say that. Like she's very, just based on you had a great set. You're like, I'm going to get on the show. It went so well. It yeah. was, it was not representative of how good I was at comedy at that time. It was very, it was like next level shit. Like add the stars aligned. I was like, Holy fuck. Um, and then, yeah, like the next day, Things were going cool with like MTV. I was going to be on this like MTV cooking show, which, yeah, which short lived, short lived. <laughs> it was a short lived cooking show. Yasser Lester took my, took my spot and he's doing great now. Uh, it was just like a, it's called like snack off or something or snack down. I don't know. <laughs> it was a Rob Deerdeck show, which I love Rob Deerdeck. He let me on ridiculousness and let me like skate in the fantasy factory. The guy's fucking rules. And, uh, I was at like a meeting. It was going to be, I was like at the point where I felt like I was going to be able to quit my engineering job pretty soon. And I was at like a meet, I was at a meeting at like little doms with the producers of that show who were cool. Who were like, yeah, we want you to be on the show, you know? And then I found out how much money I was going to be making. And it was like not enough to quit my engineering job. And I was like, fuck. Uh, and, um, I got a call from my manager. It was like, you're going to go to New York and like, te- and test for SNL. And I was like, holy shit. Like that's, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. I remember in little doms at that time was oddly an odd assortment of comedians who I did not know, but I did know, you know, it was Paul F. Tompkins was there 
I remember like going over to him and be like, dude, I just got a call. I'm going to test for us to know. He was like, wow, that's fantastic. Congratulations. You know, he's so nice. And then Nick Kroll was outside and I was like, Kroll, uh, you don't know me, but I'm going to, S- I'm going to test for SNL. Like I just found out a couple of seconds ago. I was like, holy shit. Cool, man. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've tested, don't go over five minutes. And he was just like real nice about it. And then like Jean LeJoy, it was like walking across the street. I was like, Jean LeJoy, I'm going to, like, it was just like a weird. This wasn't a dream. Yeah. All three of these dudes are just right there in like fucking noon on like a Tuesday or something. And then, yeah. And then I fly to New York. Uh test like it's what is that test like and are you nervous this point or still fuck it now i'm fucking nervous man because i'm like holy shit you know this is for this is for real um and the the previously had gone so well you know it had just gone so well and i was like okay um i remember being nervous i took uh i had like heard that you know tj miller gave me some cool advice over like what it's like you know, cause he'd audition and stuff. He's like, you know, I think you have to like sit around for a while and shit. So just be ready for that. And so I took like six beers up with me into my dressing room and was really nervous that they would um, come in and I'd be drinking a beer. So I would like pour it. I was opened up a Sprite. I took a Sprite up too and dumped the Sprite out and then would pour my like Keystone light into the Sprite can. It's a much weirder thing to explain. Yeah. And if they, if they walked in, I'm like, well, I just didn't want you to think that I needed beer to perform, which I do because I'm terrified. Uh, and so I just sat up there for like two hours in this room. You're just fucking isolated, just jamming out to music. And then they're like, um, they're going to take a break. You'll be up first up after the break. And I was like, oh, how long is the break? And like, I don't know. It's like, oh, great. It's fucking forever just up there alone. I remember I went into some other people's, I was like walking into other people's dressing rooms, just being like, sup guys, you know, and they were not having it. Like they were like, you need to, we need time alone. And I'm like, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to fucking think about this right now. Like people were taking it way more serious than I was. Um, and then I did the test. Uh, and I remember it went in my brain. I, I never watched it. I could have when I was there. They're like, do you want to see your test? I was like, no, bury it. I thought it went so poorly because um, I was doing stand-up, you know, it's different if people don't laugh at a stand-up joke than if they don't laugh at a character. Cause they're like, well, at least we can see that. That's and it's not like a typical audience, right? It's just like, it's dark as fuck. There's, you know, the Lauren and some of the producers are over in the corner. Can't even fucking see them, you know, and the, you audition on the stage where the host does the monologue, you know, I've never fucking, I hadn't been on TV yet. I recorded my Divine's house party set, but that wasn't on TV. And then like, you're like, oh, go stand at the stage where Adam Sandler did Bruce Springsteen, you know? And you're just like, what the fuck, man? I'm taking time off of my engineering job. They, to be, come up here. They think I'm sick today. Like, so it's so surreal. It's so weird. It goes around the, um, I remember the camera guys were laughing at me, which is nice. I think they were like, we can give these guys a fucking break, man. These guys are fucking, Eating and they probably love seeing someone do stand up as opposed to just more and more characters. Yeah. So it, it goes what I perceived poorly. And I remember just like lamenting it and just being like, oh, that was awful. Like, and like, uh, I was, I knew Beck Bennett and Kyle Mooney and I was just bitching in their dressing room. And they both had just like thought they'd done well. And they were like, Jesus Christ, man, relax. We just did well. I was like, did you guys get laughs? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, well, I didn't get any fucking laughs, man. So I was just freaking out. And I remember I'd go over and it was like packing my suitcase. I was like, just get me out of fucking New York. That what, How neat that I got this far. And then got a call from my agent that was like, stay in New York. Um, they want to keep you around 
for a few more days. Um, I was like, oh, I wonder if that's everybody. And it wasn't. It was just like eight of us, 10 of us. And I think like 20 people auditioned. And then, so then I stuck around for like three days and I'd had dinner with Lauren with a couple other people. And that had gone great. Just because I asked him a bunch of questions that I always wanted to, you know. Like what? Like, just, you know, like, just what's up with, the, like, uh, Billy Madison, Tommy Boy, you know, what's going on? I love those movies. And he was like, well, I told him to lose the penguin. Like, that was all he talked about, Billy Madison. He's like, I should lose the penguin. And I was like, oh, I mean, I love the penguin. He's like, okay, you know. And I then I did a comedy club called Penguin. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And I was like, dude, I love fucking Hot Rod and McGruber so good and he's like well i think we might make mcgruber too and i was like oh fuck yeah dude what about hot rod too and he's like no 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 no. i love hot rod <laughs> i know that's what i tell him. I go, oh man me and my friends love hot rod and he's like well the world isn't 25 year old comedians so i was like oh okay uh and yeah so that was cool that was surreal you know right there was a where do you dude. go to dinner i mean the details I don't remember. It's fucking Midtown. It's not a place I ended up hanging out when I went there. I couldn't tell you. Some fancy-ass motherfucking place. Um, you say you and a couple other people, other people that were testing? Yeah. I was like, I remember I was sitting next to Beck, and uh, it's so weird. Like, uh, and it was just, I haven't, it was just very odd. You know, Lauren just comes over, sits down right next to us. It's fucking weird. T- talk. You know, we talk about music. He's like, you know, what type of music do you like or whatever? And I was like, you know, you should have on the show is Arcade Fire because it's right before Reflector came out. And I didn't know that they had like literally booked Arcade Fire that day for the opening. And and so in his brain, he's probably like, this kid gets it, you know, like spot on, you mm-hmm. know, but I don't know, whatever that guy thinks. But uh, so that was cool. Those meetings weren't fun. You know, I just wasn't scared of them. I was just like confident. It like, when I was 26, I was crazy confident, psycho confidence. Uh, How old are you now? I just turned 30. Jesus. And then on my 27th birthday, I get a call. Things are going well. Uh, I didn't think I got SNL, you know, because they announced like four people, four, they hired four new people and like that got announced. And I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't get SNL. Well, whatever. That was cool. It's a cool experience. Um, and I'm like waiting to go meet with like some head of ABC casting or something like that. I'm like on another break from my fucking engineering job, which I had gone back to. I'd quit because I thought I might get SNL, I did, but I didn't tell him I quit. I just stopped going in and I kept getting paid. Classic way to quit. Yeah, just keep getting paid, man. I'm on salary. Not one phone call or just uh, ignore those? Ignore, ignore, ignore. Like, we have some things that need to be engineered that are yeah. just kind of sitting there. But I remember I just showed back up once I realized I didn't get SNL and they were like, "What? Are, where have you been? I was like, what are you talking about? I've been around. Uh, and um, How do you, no, I'm more interested in this now than I am. <laughs> Yeah, the SNL thing. So you just don't show up, and then like I was just down in the break room, I missing mean, you. It was a real small operation. I love that job. Uh, it was a startup company, and my boss was really fucking cool. He was really cool. Um, Apparently, yeah. He's just like you know, it was just just t- taking so much time off, you know, and just he's just like whatever. You get your work done. Uh, I remember the thing. Once I did quit, they called and they're like, "We're surprised with how much you actually did do. We were going through your shit." you actually were, this is very good, you know, cause I had come from like a major engineering company to the startup. So I was the only one who knew like a lot about how to, um, build express trains. Like, no, like document shit, you know, like, like a uh, lab notebook etiquette and stuff like that for, you know, FDA approvals and stuff like that. So I brought like a lot of knowledge of like how things should be done. So all my 
when I did do work, it was very well organized, but it was just few and far between. Um, but anyway, so I show back up that day. I'm like, oh, no, I didn't. I never quit. I'm back. My boss was like, well, we need to have a meeting. I think you should go part time. You know, can't keep paying you full time when you're fucking never here. I was like, yeah, I get that. Fair enough. Uh, and then I'm at out. But then I was like, but I do have to go right now. I got a meeting at ABC. Uh, and he's like, OK. And so I go. I'm like waiting. It's my birthday. Uh, and I get a call from fucking some New York number. I was like, answer it, you know, and it was the talent producer or whatever. And she's like, Hey, um, you're going to come, you're going to be a part of the show. We don't know how, in what capacity. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Be a part of the show. You don't know what, how she's like, well, at the minimum, you're going to write this season. And I was like, well, that's fucking great. She's like, just don't, don't tell anybody, but yeah, you got to move here. Like you start Tuesday. I was like, this is on maybe Wednesday. And I was like, okay. And then I uh, hung up and then like, they're like, well, the ABC people are ready to see you. And I was like, okay. And I like walked into this meeting, like just found, like literally just found out I got hired to go write at SNL and like, uh, sat down and they were like, so how's it going? You know, how's Montreal? I was like, it's pretty good. It's fun. Have fun time. Uh, and they're like, yeah, well, you know, what, got any ideas or what, you know, what do you want to do? And I was like, I just. Uh, I don't know. I got hired to go right at it Saturday Night Live. I got to leave right now. And I just told him and left. And, uh, and then I left and I was very excited. I quit my job. I remember when I, after I got fired from SNL, I had a, the same meeting with those ABC people like almost a year later. Exactly. And I was like very different circumstances. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, then I went and moved to New York with uh, this girl who I just started dating, which turned out to be like the worst decision I've ever Hawaii made. Hawaii girl? No, different girl. I've always dating terrible, making just terrible dating decisions. Um, yeah. Like in a, a, a Tinder or. No, no. I met this girl. We ended up getting. Real life. Real life. Yeah. Real life. Got engaged and it just was a terrible. It was bad. It was not a good relationship. Um, so just good. To so she moved to New York with you. Yeah. And how much time before the season starts? Uh, three weeks. You're there. You're there writing for three weeks. The writers come in like three weeks early and kind of bang out a bunch of. Um, uh, bang out of a ton of the commercial parodies. When, what is the first day? Literally the first day as I roll in, I walk in, I flew in late cause I was shooting this thing for, for comedy central for some money. And, uh, I needed money to move to New York. I didn't ha have a bunch of it, even though I'm engineering, I'm spending all my money just fucking on whatever, going to Hawaii with random girls and stuff. And, um, so I come in, I, I show up, it's late, it's late at night, like my suitcase, my, which I don't even have a suitcase. I just have a backpacking backpack. Just fucking roll in. Cause I was like, I'll go back on our first break and pack up that week and move out for real. And, uh, go to 30 rock, be like, Hey, what's up? I work here now. It's probably six or seven at night. And like, what? It's like, I, I don't know. I gotta go upstairs to it's the 17th floor. I got, I, I write for Saturday night live. And I go, okay. So like, give me my thing. And I go up there and they show me an office. And literally, I don't even remember who showed it to me. Probably the talent producer. She just like showed it. She's like, hey, glad you're here. You know, this is, this is the writing guy right here, you know. Um, and then he shows me my office. He's like, oh, there's your computer. Uh, we're going to do two sketches tonight. Just go ahead and write two sketches and you can go home. And I was like, what? I don't even know how to fucking turn the computer on. Like, like do you guys have final draft? He's like, no, we don't use that. No one explains shit to you two fucking sketches. I just, I like, I haven't even, okay, here we go. 
I don't have, I've never written this goddamn sketch, which also heads up to everybody out there. If you ever, ever get hired to write at Saturday Night Live, don't tell the other writers you've never written a sketch before because <laughs> they kind of don't like that. Uh, they're like, what? We've been writing sketches. This has been our, we've been, we wrote so many sketches to get here and you just fucking tripped into it. Uh, that is pretty cool. I mean, they, how did that writing opportunity come? Was it just, we want to have this guy as part of. It was like, um, I, it was, it was like Lauren said, he's like, he just like sees kind of stuff and like, he's, he, I don't know. He wasn't comparing me to these two people, but he was like, Sandler had a joke, you know, that I liked and it was, and he's like, and rock had a joke that I, Chris rock had a joke that I liked. And then, so I think he was thought he, I had like one joke. I, I think that he dug, he never said personally, but somebody told me he liked this joke. I had about possums and, uh, and so I don't know what, it, it, he was like, this guy's unique, you know, cause he was doing unique shit. And, uh, they hired me to be a writer. They're like, I don't know, standups can write, you know? And I was just stoked. And so two sketches in the first night, what does that look like? Uh, a possum, two possum related sketches. I don't know what, it, I don't remember what I wrote. I don't, I don't recall. I think I might've written, uh, fuck. I, I don't remember. It was, they weren't good. I, I think they were just general ideas I'd had. Uh, maybe, maybe one was for, I always was wondering who came in second place to Pabst Blue Ribbon, you know? Cause it's like, who got, so I think I wrote Frinkle's Red Ribbon Ale that day. It was an advertisement for the beer who got second to Pabst. And, uh, and some other bullshit sketch. I don't know. And but, you're alone in this room or the other Alone, writers? just alone, completely alone. <laughs> so weird. Uh, and they were like, Seth's going to stop by. And I was like, probably not that one. Right. And then fucking 10 minutes later, knocking the door, Seth Myers rolls in. Hey, what's up? I'm like, oh, hello. Person from the television he sits on the couch, talks to me for like a half hour. He's the nicest fucking person I've ever met in my life. The guy rules. Uh, he's so fucking cool. And then he just, you know, he's like, Oh, you know, figured out it's a good place. I don't, I don't remember that meeting very well just cause it was in shock. Uh, and he bounces and I, write two sketches, turn them in, go home. Like, what the fuck was that all about? You know? And then thus begins an insane year of just churning out sketches that don't get picked. Um, so take us through that. It's so, it's so much. Uh, I write for a few weeks. I write there for those three weeks, write some getting funnier ideas, starting to collaborate with some people, which is way more fun writing with people like, like, Michael Che and I would write together a lot and Tim Robinson and Zach Cannon. Uh, those guys are just writing with really funny people. Uh, and then uh, start collaborating and it's fun. I'm having fun writing, you know, writing funnier sketches. I remember I wrote probably the best sketch I wrote by myself was about a, uh, a lawyer who specializes in returning, getting back and destroying your real world submission tape. Um, Cause he's like, look, we all made one. All right. You can't have that out there anymore. Oh, like for the show, the real world. Yeah. Like everyone has submitted to be on it. And he's like, you don't want those tapes out there. You're, you're a surgeon now, you know, can't have that. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know what happens. Just go and have a meeting with Lauren. He just talks like, how do you like living in New York or whatever? And I was like, oh, I love it. You know, this is very exciting. Thank you. Cool meeting. You know, whatever. Don't really think about it. And, uh, he was kind of like, yeah, well, you know, you'll probably end up in the cast eventually. You know, you're very green. He told me he was very green. I remember thinking like, no, I'm not looking. Yes, I was. I'd never been on television. Uh, and so I left being like, wow, that's crazy. He said, I'm going to be on the cast eventually. It's fucking nuts, you know? Uh, 
And then literally the next day, they're like, hey, Lauren wants to see you again. I was like, okay, cool. We go in. This is the Friday before the start of the new show on Monday. And he was just, he like, I knew it was different because he got up and met me in the middle of the room. And he was like, so you're going to be in the cast now? I was like, oh, right now? Okay. And then I remember he's like, you're going to have to shave. And I was like, no, dude, I'm no deal. I don't, that's a deal breaker. Like just fucking around. Yeah. Cause I told you it's stupid filled with confidence. And he was like, no, well, you, you have to shit. And I was like, no, I know I'll, I'll pull my fucking facial hair out right now, dude. Of course I'm going to shave. What are you talking about? I'm not being for real. Uh, Cause he was like, Danny's the only one we let have a mustache. I was like, Danny, who the fuck? I was like, and then like looking back, I was like, it's talking about Dan Aykroyd. I don't know what, you know? <laughs> and so then I'm in the cast and it's, it's insane. And then what uh, is that like? So then it's like, hey guys, I'm with you now. Does the cast hang out separately from the writers? Um, it was a dip, I don't know. No, I hung out with the writers more than the cast, really. Just because I don't know. I just, I mean, I hung out with like Che and Tim Robinson and Zach Cannon a lot, you know, and Colin Just. I hung out with everybody. Hangs out, you know. But it's not. It's a very everybody's very different, you know. It's like any job, you know. Different people have different sensibilities, mm-hmm. and it was just intense, you know. Like the first four weeks were cool. Um, got stuff on like the third and fourth episode. I was like, dude, fuck yeah. Sketches? Yeah. I did a weekend update about my tattoos, which is a bit I used right. to do here a lot. I remember. Yeah. And then I got another sketch on about um, possums, actually. It's called Critter Control. It's funny. And I thought like, fuck yeah, this is great. And then I think I went like 10 weeks and I got blanked without getting a sketch on. I was like, this is bad. Um, and then after Christmas, I started to figure it out. You know, it's just like whirlwind. I mean, this show's so hard. I'm in a shit relationship. And it's just like New York's killing me. I'm just like so stressed out all the time. And uh, and just like, fuck, it's so hard. It's just like killing me. But I'm starting to figure the show out and, you know, hopefully going to, you know, figure it out, get better at it. And I, st- I started to get better at it. I think like the last seven shows, I got like six things to dress. You know, I think only maybe one of them made it on or something. But still, I was like, I'm writing better. I'm figuring the show out. I hopefully, you know, we'll get another year at this. Um, and that was the hope leaving on the final episode. I remember I wasn't even in the final episode. That was rough. Like just not in it. And I remember like pleading, like, let me do an update. You got to let me do an update. Like not to Jost. I was like, because Jost was in charge. Seth, Seth had left. And I was like, I got to do an update. I got to kill. If, if, if I'm going to come back, I need to have a good update. And when that, I got, I remember getting a text from Joe at like three in the morning, like Saturday morning or maybe it was even four in the morning. Cause I was still up, you know, jamming. Cause you can write weekend updates up until the very, up until like fucking noon mm-hmm. on Saturday. And he's just, I got a text. I was like, it's not going to happen. Sorry, man. And that's when I was like, fuck, I think I might get fired. Like that was the first, that was the realization of like, this sucks. And, uh, but then, you know, you, st- you leave and you have a little bit of hope. But then I remember, uh, the day that of the renewals, I got a call from my manager and agent and I was like walking down Houston and they were like, Hey, what's up? And they were like, it was like real somber. Like they're usually like, Hey, how's it going? They're like, Hey. And I was like, Oh shit. Did I get fired? And my manager was like, no other way to say it, dude. So that was tough. Did they have to say the dude part? Sorry, dude. I mean, that's how my manager talks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was rough. And then I wanted to come back to LA right away, but the lady I was seeing was like, no, I moved here. So I stayed with, I stayed in New York for like seven more months, just fucking doing stand up. I mean, that's what made my stand up better than ever though, was, you know, rejection of SNL of like, I'm not, if the world only saw 
me through that show, they would have every right to believe I wasn't funny. But if I become really great at stand up and put out a really great album, like they'll like see like, Oh no, this guy is funny. That show just wasn't right for him, which is what I believe. Um, if we can backtrack just a minute, I, I just, because I, I literally have dreams about this to this day. Okay. Is, um, the first time on national television on SNL yeah. and it's live and yeah. your first sketch, was that weekend update or was that something else? I mean, I'd been on TV. I'd had, um, I'd had, uh, you know, I'd had a little background. I think I was in like maybe three sketches in the first episode. I got pulled, I got cut out of the cold open, which was just a sign of the first episode. First cold open. I go up and deliver a little monologue about like Obama's healthcare or something like that. And it got a laugh. It, it, it went great. Um, and then I walk off and it's just like, somebody just goes, you're cut that you're, you're the, the, my bit got cut. And I was like, Oh, that was, you mean the dress rehearsal. You went up and got a laugh. Yeah. It, it went well in the dress rehearsal, but then like at the, in between dress and air, there's a meeting that you trim sketches, you know, and they're like, we trimmed your part. You're, you're done. Somebody just literally goes, you're cut out. And I was like, Oh, what? And then Seth Meyers, the fucking cool boss he is, came up and was like, look, it was a seven minute sketch. And it's just, you know, it's not your fault, which, which like calmed me down. Um, and then in the second episode, I wasn't like, literally wasn't in it. I think I might, I had, uh, they had to like write me in it. They were like, after the picks got picked to the sketches, they were like, Brooks is not in the show. Like this is the biggest, I was there it was the biggest the cast had ever been in the history. And uh, so just not in the show. So they like, somebody was cool and gave me one line. And that's all I had in the second episode. The third episode, I do my tattoo. It's the first time I roll on a do weekend update. And that was the, mo that was probably the most surreal thing I've ever done. You know, I did two weekend updates. The second one was way more fun because I was comfortable then. But what are the nerves though, before you roll on to weekend update? It was terrifying. I don't know. I remember Lauren was really cool. Uh, he came down and was like, you know, just so you know, you're really funny, you know, thanks for, being he like he like thanked me for talking about my tattoos because it's very personal you know and like i'm like yeah well that's my stand-up is so personal and uh he's just like well you know thanks you know uh he's, i was like wow fucking cool guy well, that was nice uh and so nervous just having a fucking freak out you know um don't understand how it works don't like tr i try to memorize it which you shouldn't do i turns out because you want to read off the cards because the cards tell you what camera to look at so if you watch that update like I'm staring off into space because I don't know. I'm not looking at the fucking camera that's on. Like, so it's whatever, but it goes great. And so that's really cool about it. But I was, you know, I was having a fucking freak out until, until you hit that stride, until you hit that big first laugh and you kind of settle into it. I just remember like, that was the most unreal thing that had happened because up until that point, I hadn't felt like I'd contributed anything to the show Saturday Night Live, you know? And then after I did that, I was like, wow, I wrote a piece came from my brain that was on the show, I contributed to the, this institution and that felt great. And that was cool. And then the next week got another sketch on. It was great. And then it just, you know, went south, but you know, what can you do? It's a fucking hard, it's a meat grinder, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I got to, I mean, plenty of people have gone through that and had amazing careers. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's just the thing, you know, is like, you just got to bounce back. That's fucking show business. It's not letting it win, you know? I remember seeing you here at the club. As soon as you got back, I think you just came to, you were visiting, you were still living in New York, but I think you just came back with this resolve. Like, and I, do you feel like in this day and age, like even 15 years ago, if you get fired from SNL, like you're kind of alone with your thoughts and your friends maybe, but 
now you, you, you have like a, so many platforms to even talk about it. And yeah. I think what well, you tweeted something. Yeah. I, I got fired and I, I mean, I tweeted fired from, I was, I was cool about it. I didn't want to be a dick to the show. I was like, ah, I've had, a, I had a great time, totally honored to be able to make this joke. And then I like all caps, like fired from New York at Saturday night. And that like got a ton of traction. I think that was the most, that was like the biggest thing that happened from the fucking show. None of the sketches I did, but just the way I handled getting fired. Um, and that, you know, that like, I don't think the show was mad. I think I did get like a call. I was like, you weren't fired. You just weren't renewed, you know? And I was like, fuck off. Uh, <laughs> you can't tell me what to do anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, I was mad at the show. I'm not mad at it anymore. That's for sure. Um, I appreciate the time I had there. And like, I go back, I have a lot of friends who are still there, you know? And like, it doesn't give me anxiety like it did for about a year. Fuck me up. If the place will tear your confidence apart, man. Like I left here thinking I was the funniest 26 year old on the planet, 27 year old. And then I came back like, I don't know if I'm fucking funny, man. I just for nine months was told I wasn't funny, like in the place where I wanted to be funny. And that was rough. So it took a, took a toll like on my, on me mentally for sure. Getting fired. That sucked. And then that fucked up my relationship, you know, cause, cause I was in a bum mood and shit went south there and it was fucking just like, a, it was just rough. It was a rough fucking year. How much stand? Uh, before we go on, I think, I think there's some more there. And that's Andrew, producer of Gatekeeper. Like, what was it about that that made you not feel funny anymore? Oh yeah, just your confidence. My confidence got shredded. I don't know. I'm guess. I guess I'm interested because it's relatable. Um, and so I'm just curious. Like, what did you do to get out of that? Like, how did you move forward? I just didn't stop doing stand up for a long time. It just didn't stop. It's just the repetition of doing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean the the coolest thing that ever happened in in my career that actually gave me the most confidence back was my album got just such good reviews and like was on like a lot of those like best album of the year lists. And that made me feel very good. Like, and it was just like, as of, it was just like a real, like, no, I am funny. It was really nice. I don't know. Just don't let something like when something negative happens, say, fuck you. I'm going to be, I'm going to rise above that and be funnier. I don't know. It was just like, uh, I'm not going to let SNL win even though it's not like they were like trying to kill me. They were just like, yeah, it's just not working out. Like, but I was like, I, I can't let that be what happened. So I got to turn this into a positive. How much stand-up were you doing while you were writing and performing on SNL? A lot, because that's what kept me sane. You know, like on Tuesday nights, I'd run and do a set and then come back and be like, okay, cleared my head. Yeah, a lot. New York's the best for stand-up. It's great. Like I was doing so much stand up just to, because I'm getting no laughs on the show and off the show, I'm like going and reminding myself that I am still funny, which is very important. Like if I didn't have stand up, I would, I would, I would just fucking been holed up being like, well, I don't know what's going on. So it just like kept me sane. Mm -hmm. So doing a lot of stand up, having a lot of comp, like, you know, on stage, once you do SNL, you just have a lot more confidence on stage because like, nothing really there's no there's no platform that big you know unless i'm doing a special or something that i need to be worried you know like i'm like oh what is 200 people here whatever it's five million people watch that show like this is fine i'm not worried so it was it was nice i was just doing a bunch of stand-up i mean 
let's just dove straight into stand up and put out an album that I like fucking still like, you know, that, uh, put that out pretty quick, like within six months, put out an album, my first album, which I liked. Did you still at that point have, uh, some momentum from SNL? How did that help you in your stand up career? SNL mm-hmm. it made me a headliner immediately. Yeah. Like I'd ne- I never featured like ever. I never went on the road. I just stayed in LA fucking around, not fucking around, but like doing 10 minute spots. Like that's all I ever did. You know, never like half hour. I remember like I was, I had like maybe a half hour and then you just, once you do SNL on the weeks off, you go out and you headline and uh, it just made me fucking a headliner and which was great. And then once I got fired, I was like, set up, set it up, man. Let's fucking seven. Let's just fucking roll. Let's roll this. Like, let's just go become the best that I can be, you know, which I want to eventually be like one of the best in the world. That's the goal is to be like one of the best standups in the world. So I got to keep fucking working, obviously. Well, Japan right now, it's really milling out some really strong. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I'm figuring my biggest competition is in Argentina. Yeah. Now I feel bad for, I mean, I'm sure Japan has a thriving comedy scene. I know nothing about it. It does. I actually, I I was uh, sold a travel show to IFC and our first, um, ended up not going, but we outlined Japan. That was going to be the first nation we went to. Uh, and they do have a thriving comedy scene. It's pretty cool. So. And what about in Argentina as well? No, I don't know about Argentina. I have no idea. I was joking. Do you watch the chef's table? Chef's table? I've seen a couple of them. I love them. It's a great show. Yeah. I like the one about the guy from Brazil who's like, hey, hey, he just is always in a fucking like, uh, the punk rock guy. Yeah. Punk rock guy. Happy shit. Like he's like, he's so cool. That guy's great. They're all really cool. Well, some chefs are assholes are like, this is the art form. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but no, you know, it's like any comedian who's like, this is art. I'm like, is it, you know, like it is, but let's not call it out. Like, let's be a little, you know, humble. Yeah. Let's not be like, I do art. Like you talk. I mean, sure. I would like, if someone's like, it's not an art, I'd be like, well, I mean, it is, but I'm not going to be the one that's like fighting. For Just that. don't be pretentious. Think yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. We're mumbling. And mm, half no, of an art. I'm, I'm an artist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm actually an artist. So I don't know. Yeah. And then that, like I finally moved back to LA and shit started going all right here. You know, how long have you been back now? Oh, six buddy, years, year and a half, year and a half. But even on the road so much, I feel like I don't see that much. Yeah. I, well, that's the thing is like, I go on the, I go on these tours. I stopped doing like comedy clubs and started doing music venues, like small music venues, like more DIY stuff. And so I go on like, like, um, 25 city tour and then I'll take some time off. And then when I'm back in LA, this is the only club I'll perform. I perform at in LA is the improv just cause it was so nice to me when I moved here, you know? Like, I don't have anything against the store or the Laugh Factory. I mean, except for that they didn't put me up and you guys did. So when I'm back, I'm like, I'm just going to do the improv because I'm not a dude who needs to do four sets a night, you know? Like, I'm not, I don't like being robotic on stage. Like, before I did my half hour special, I took a a week off of stand-up. I didn't do any stand-up for a week and went and camped in Yosemite because I wanted it to be really organic and not scripted, which it it was, and I love that. so I like taking time off so that I come back fresh. Let's talk about that for a minute. I know uh, producer Andrew is going to be interested as well, but you are, you know, the king of uh, 
travel photos, like the most beautiful, epic, uh, sweeping views sure. from around the country? Well, I like to travel so much. It's why I got that travel show. You know, it's just like, they were like, we have a travel show idea. Who travels Brooks? Let's just put them in there. You know, um, it's so calming for me. And like LA is so hard and show business is so hard that like camping is like the one fucking escape I have where I like go and I camp and I just feel fucking great, you know? And I love photography so much. Like, um, when I was little, I wanted to be a photographer. So now I'm an adult. I have like a cool camera that I love this, like Leica ME. And I just go all over the place, traveling, taking photos. And that's like, I'm like, well, I lucked out. Maybe it's because I have this four years of being a real biomedical engineer where you only get 10 days off a year. You get 10 fucking days off a year. That's insane. You've, that's how much you have to work. And like now I'm afforded this opportunity to where I'm a fucking comedian. I call my own hours, you know, I work hard, but like I, after my breakup, I like realized I'm going to take happiness over career for the rest of my life. Like I just want to like, I'd rather be happy and miss out on a career opportunity that would than anything, you know, like just, I just want to go do what I want to do. And comedy's a huge part of that, but there's a huge part of that that is not comedy, you know, that is going to like Alaska just on a whim. Cause I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to turn 30. What do I do? Fuck it. Let's go to Alaska. You know, let's go just camp and get away. See some stuff you've never seen. So that's like, this would be my first, we're taping this on a Friday. I've spent all day trying to find somebody to go to Mexico to fucking camp on the beach with me. And I can't, and I'm in, you want to go? Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's fucking go. I'd have nothing to do. Like what this if weekend. we fell in love? Um, this would be like the perfect, most organic. Yeah. Intro into our, 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 our lifelong, lifelong relationship. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I yes, just, I would be honored to go to Mexico with you. Just camp on the beach. Yeah. What do you, how do you just driving down to like Baja? Yeah. Just, just South of Tijuana, like 30 minutes. You can just camp on the beach. San Felipe. Have you ever been to San Felipe? No, I've never even done this. Oh this shit. Is the thing. Like I've gone to Baja. I've gone to like Cabo for some comedy festival that I missed my set for. Uh, Cause they booked me the wrong day. And I show, I still got flown out and put up in a hotel. And I was like, this is the best comedy festival I've ever done. I didn't even do a set. Like, does anybody know that I'm here? Like, this is clearly a front. This is clearly a front for something else. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just like camping, you know, because if I stay in LA, I, I, I'm from Iowa. I like to drink, you know, it just feels like Groundhog Day. Yeah. Like, I'm like, what did you do in LA? This, how did, did you further your life at all? Do you feel better about yourself? Like, no, I fucking drink. Like, I just hung out and did the same thing I've been doing for the last 10 years. Oh, it sucks. Like, so you don't drink when you're, when you're camping? I'll drink, but like, I feel better about it. You know, like drinking like around a fire while you're having a conversation with a close friend or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whoever fucking feels so great. I remember the happiest I ever was, was uh 4th of July. I was camping with a girl I was dating at the time. And this is, I was still on SNL at the moment and I was camping. And, uh, our relationship for like this brief moment was okay. And, you know, and, uh, it was just like, so good. I was like, everything's perfect. This is, this is crazy. Like, 
life isn't supposed to be this perfect. And like, I got fired like a week later. I was like, there we go. That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> the reality. Yeah. Here we go. All right. Now I got to claw our way back up. But there's always camping. There's that's all, there's always that perfection. Yeah, I know. That's why I like, like I gotta have, have I gotta find more friends who, who are down. Like just cause a, a lot of comedians are pretty lazy, you know, like, Oh man, I just want to sit on my couch. I'm like, no, let's go to Glacier National Park. Sure. Yeah. I was looking at flights yesterday. It's like $280 round trip to fly to the place. It's right in Montana, right next to Glacier National Park. I was like, maybe I'll just fucking go there. So looking at Costa Rica. I was like, I don't know. I just like going like also it's escapism. Sure. Completely. I don't have to deal with my problems. What are you trying to escape Brooks? Let's get to the heart of this. Uh, I just went through like a terrible breakup, you know, that really fucked me up mentally. Are you okay being alone? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's been just like, it's, we, we were engaged and it just was a terrible idea. No, but even when you were talking about SNL and, you know, when you're do, doing the testing and going to other people's rooms, like, do you meditate? Are you, are you okay being alone in your own? Oh, absolutely yeah. not. No, <laughs> no, not one bit. You know, uh, I hate being alone. Like, I don't know. I got to get to a place where that's fine. You know, can you travel alone? I, I can, I could when I was with that girl because I would write to her a lot and that was fun. Like I went to Europe and traveled solo and I was just writing letters and, uh, it was fine. I don't know. I was content. What if you went down to Baja this weekend and just wrote a letter to, um, to the world? I mean, I write every day. Like I do that. I wake up every day and write like a page of like what I'm feeling, you know, like journaling and shit. Is that your process? No, that's not, that has nothing to do with stand up. It has everything to do with trying to like, but, just, but your like, life and your creativity, you need to get up and get everything out. Yeah. Yeah. I can't like, I've started writing and started, you know, I don't know, trying to live healthy. Like, I don't know. But all at the same time, like I just did a solo tour through Florida. Like I did five cities in Florida alone. And, uh, that was last week. And I'm like, I don't want to be alone this weekend again. You know, like what the fuck? So I don't want to go down to Mexico by myself. Sure. And, and, uh, but part of me is like, I don't know, it'd be fun. But like, if I went anywhere solo, it'd be Yosemite this weekend. Just cause I love it up there so much. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Yeah, it's great. I was looking at Bora Bora. It's expensive. And I, I can't, I don't think you really want to go there. Like I don't have a, my friends who are like working, they don't have time. And my friends who aren't working don't have the money, you know? So I'm like, well, I guess I'm not going to go there solo. Have you been to kayak.com? Great travel. Is, is it like the like industry? Is that like the Google now? It is. Yeah. I don't know much about the internet, but um, I love that you can look at a map and this is probably technology that people have known about for years of the world. And you can see that the ticket prices. Yeah. That's what I do on Google maps. Google flights. Is but, it powered by kayak? I bet it's pretty similar. Um, I don't know. My, I got to shoot this like little travel show where I went to different countries and looked at their senses of humor. It was a little web series through above average, which is like SNL's, um, digital, digital component, which is after I got fired, you know, which is like the relationships I ha have with SNL are still there. You know, um, I was just talking about the other day, like I, f I would feel comfortable going to them and asking for advice, you know, like, what do you guys think about this? You know, I, that, I'm at that point, you know, enough time has passed. Um, I, I'm comfortable around them again. Uh, and it doesn't freak me out like it used to. Um, 
also I have nothing to gain, you know, nothing to lose. So either way, they were very cool and gave me this travel show and we traveled around and we did three little mini episodes that was on, it's on YouTube. It's called laughs in translation. And we went to like Denmark, Germany and France and looked at their senses of humor. And I was like, this is what I, this is perfect. This is what I want to do. So I was doing comedy in all these different countries and interviewing people. And, um, then we sold the show to IFC and they were going to, we were, you know, with the idea of making 10 episodes, half hour episodes. And then, and then we wrote out the Japan episode and then they passed on it. And so we have it back, uh, and shopping it around. So, I mean, like that's fucking, that would be like the greatest job for me traveling and doing comedy. Oh yeah. Like it was so fun. And then also scripted half hour shows like me and my writing partner, Mike Burns are writing a scripted half pitching a scripted half hour show about our situation. Um, it's really funny. It's my favorite thing show I pitched. And we also are in the middle of a movie. Like we have like 70 pages deep in a, in a movie that we're not even in. We're just, we just wrote it. Amazing. Yeah. So I don't know. Just fucking around camping. Yeah. You have a good life. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know why I'm so hung up. I'm just hung up on, on babes. It's just my yeah, one, they'll do it. My one problem is, uh, is babes. Other than that, it's all good. All the great artists have had to deal with babe issues. But yeah, exactly. Van Gogh. Babe issue. Babe issue. What if Van Gogh, was, he literally was like fucking babes. Like he wrote the, letters to his girls. Yeah. Babes. I mean, I remember when the blood of his face. Yeah. I wrote like, dude, I'm such a fucking bozo. Like when my fiance like bailed on me, I like, uh, I like so like like dramatically middle of the night drove to the Grand Canyon and wrote her like a twenty eight page letter. Oh my god, you're like hopeless yeah. romantic. Oh god, yeah, yeah. and it's just so embarrassing. Like like sitting there and just didn't stop writing. Like hands were frozen. It was fucking January. It's like I'm looking at the distance. Yeah, shit. Like my you know, to yours. Yeah, I mean, dude, it was so so fucking over the top. You know, so dumb. But yeah, that's, that's dumb. Type, I mean, that's the type of shit that I do. I just get like real invested and like, just like, yeah, just like, let's, you know, I don't know. You live a passionate life. Very passionate. And when shit's going, like you see me on stage, when I'm in a good mood, I can put on a fucking great show. And when I'm depressed, I can bum out a whole audience. And also entertain. In an entertain, <laughs> I tell myself, I get a little worried sometimes. I'm in like a bad, I'm in a good place now. Like I've accepted that relationship's over. Like, and I've moved forward and can make fun of the relationship on stage without malice, you know? Like the, I talk about it and what happened, but it's not from a place of uh, like anger, you know? It's like, I've had some distance and it is no longer just like, oh man, this guy's going through it. It's like, now it's good. Like, it's just funny. And um, I, I'm, I like my new hour a lot and it, and it's not, but there was a few months there where I was bumming on stage pretty fucking hard. You know, like I had, I was had a bit about how I've never even thought about committing suicide. Who do I think I am? Like, <laughs> that's a, like, that's not in the act anymore. Like they'll bum out a crowd. They're like, sure. dude, we just had a rough day at work. We came here to hear some jokes, talk about killing yourself. I'm like, no, I'm not talking about killing myself. I'm talking about how I should, but I'm not going to, you know, like it was just, yeah. And it, it you know, it's like, but then in my brain, when I don't get those laughs, I'm like, well, at least I'm compelling up there. You know, they're going to remember that set. Maybe not for the right reasons, but. I think that's okay too. Yeah. No, I'm, I mean like. Well, it's all context, especially at a comedy club. Yeah. You're right. People sometimes just want jokes. Yeah. And I can't be robotic, which is a real problem. Well, it's not a real problem. I like my comedy. 
Uh, but I can't repeat, like, I can't just like go up there and sling jokes no matter what mood I'm in. I have to be in a good mood. And if I remember, literally, if I remember to have fun on stage, like if I tell myself, like, just have fucking fun, that's the most important thing. Because if you're having fun, the crowd's going to have fun. Like, that's what I have to remind that's myself. What- just have fun. And if you get to, if you even get to your jokes, cool. But if you have fun on stage and you did a good, fun, entertaining job, that's all that you're supposed to do. Yeah. Well, I think that's a perfect way to end this great conversation. Yeah. I feel like I talked a lot. That's the whole point of this. Okay. I felt like I talked a lot. Okay. Well, good. We're both self-conscious. Very. Well, uh, maybe I'll see you in Baja. Yeah. I do want to say San Felipe. I went there probably 15 years ago. Beautiful. It's probably two hours south of like Tijuana, but they had a a place that sold something called a burrata, B-U-R-R-A-D-A which is kind of like I would describe a combination of a burrito and a quesadilla. Okay. And I was drunk and Jamie, starving. Jamie, no. I know. Jamie, no. I got some demons too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it remember just being the, the, the most delicious thing I've ever eaten in my life. So get that burrata in San Felipe. San Felipe, it sounds good. I do. I got to get down there. Just fuck around. I also remember getting down there and there's this, bar at like the kind of the hotel it's kind of a resort town it's like people where people in mexico go to vacation but it's still very quaint but there was just like this older kind of looks like ernest hemingway-esque guy just or even like the the what's the the ad campaign you can clean this part up and impose the most interesting man in the world just being like, I want to be that guy. Just, just having like a sipping of whiskey like yeah. alone in a beach town. That sounds great. Yeah. Weird. I mean, dude, yes. Like I read Steinbeck a lot and like in East of Eden, the main character is like, I forget what his name is. Sam, Sam Hamilton maybe is his name. Uh, I think, I think Adam Trask and Samuel Ham and Hamilton or something like that. Either way. Um, yeah. Cause you look, I think it's Sam Hamilton. He's just like this fucking go-to dude for everybody. And he's just always positive and gives great advice. I, I read about him and I'm like, that's who I want to fucking be. I don't want to be the dude who's just up here complaining. Like, I don't want to be the guy that when he walks in, you're like, oh shit, like we're going to have to listen to this guy. I want to be the dude that when you walk in, you're like, cool, somebody's here going to fucking brighten up the room a little bit, which is wh- who I was before I moved to New York. And I feel like I got to get back to that. And I'm, and then I'm like actively working. Like I started going to therapy and shit. Oh, good. So like, get back to being like fucking confident and happy and shit, which is who, which is who, who left LA. And then I came back like fucking pretty broke, but, but like getting back to that, be nice. You can only be who you are in any moment. Exactly. You can only be a human. You can only be Brooks Whelan. Yeah. Just got to move forward mm-hmm. in a positive way and not look back negatively. I'm glad we kept talking. I'm glad the San Felipe tangent. Oh, it's also, it's Sam, the sheriff and Will Hamlet. No, no, what, no. Kathy Ames, Adam Trask, Cal Trask, Aaron right. Trask, Sam, Sam the Sheriff, Will Hamilton, Lee. Well, I can't, Sam, I think Samuel's last name is Hamilton. He's like the patriarch of the family. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I read I that book. I don't know why it said Sam the Sheriff and not Sam. Yeah, he's not even a sheriff. He's a farmer. He's like, I don't know, but he's a guy, he's a go-to guy in the book. And that's, I read those books and I'm like, I fucking love Steinbeck. And he just like makes you like makes me he makes me want to have more empathy for the for human humans you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. i'm so in my own fucking brain it's insane i need to think about like you need to relax dude yeah relax yeah other people have problems you don't have any fucking problems yeah 
Well, Brooks, thank you for joining me. Yeah, this was this was a, a delight, a real therapy session. Yeah, uh, anytime. Yeah, well, I don't know if we should do it anytime. I mean, like, but um, now I'm gonna go find a jean jacket. Good luck with that. Thank you so much. Take care, everybody. Thank you, and uh, um, uh, you guys can unfollow me. No, I'm joking. I, I hate plugs. Oh, we, no, do your thing. No, I hate plugs. I do. I hate plugs. Uh, just if you if I'm in your town, come watch me do stand up. Yeah, go watch me stand up. Something that I enjoy very much. So Brooks. As I end every episode, Jamie, I'll take you through this. Work on your craft endlessly. I'm not saying this to you because I think you already know it, Yeah, but maybe you don't, but this is for you and everyone. So work on your craft endlessly, be a professional, be undeniable and be cool as fuck. Always. This has been gatekeeper. You did it. Yeah. That is the thing is be undeniable. Like that's literally it. Everything I've ever booked is because I, I left being like, there's no way I can't get that. You just have to be undeniable. It's the only way to do it. There's so many people who do so much shit. You yeah. have to be the best at it. Confidence. And you See, have fun. And there's only, you can't be confident if you're not having fun. Yeah. Just have, have fun on stage. That's the most important thing. Because if you're not having fun up there, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. Now, just one more sentence to wrap this up. Okay. And also, don't dabble. If you're going to do comedy, do it. I hate dabblers. Don't be a goddamn dabbler. Yeah. Okay. The end. (laughs) For more episodes of Gatekeeper, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. From the crow's nest to the swap deck, we check the yo-ho-ho-ho-ho. Sailing on all seven seas, we check the yo-ho-ho-ho-ho. Adventures and buried treasures, we're on a boat pirate frontier. Once you board the ship, you must be brave and please prepare. A big red X marks a spot on the map of the treasure that we see. Golden doubloons and emeralds and pearls and red rubies. We'll make the catch from the hidden stats with the yo-ho-ho-ho-ho. Spot a secret latch from a black guy pass with the yo-ho-ho. Cannonballs and waterfalls, there's danger to be found. It doesn't matter where you are, in the ocean or the ground. Sailing on the sea, aka the world's biggest shark tank. Finding so much treasure never get inside a bank. From the rose nest to the swap deck, we check the yo-ho-ho-ho-ho. Sailing on all seven seas, we check the yo-ho-ho-ho-ho. Adventures and buried treasures, we're on a bold pirate frontier. Once you board the ship, you must be brave and please prepare. A big red X marks the spot on the map of the treasure that we seek. Golden doubloons and emeralds and pearls and red rubies. We'll make the cash from the hidden stats with a yo-ho-ho-ho-ho. Spot a secret latch from a black guy patch with a yo-ho-ho. Cannonballs and waterfalls, there's danger to be found. It doesn't matter where you are, it's a ho-ho-ho-ho-ho.